There are a lot of ways we can measure power. For example, the horsepower of a vehicle, or the power and might of a military, or the power and strength that you show in the gym based on how much weight you can lift. But as a Christian, how are we to measure the power that lies within us? That's exactly what we're going to be talking about today's podcast. So turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez here with you guys as we continue our study here at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. To the, the, the title for today is Living by the Power of God. And that is something that as we're exploring in this prayer towards the end of chapter one that Paul prays over, that we can see a glimpse into how we are to pray this in our own lives. As I asked the question in the opening, how are we to measure? Or how are we to know or identify or see the power of God in a Christian's life? What does that look like? Well, one of the things that we see throughout the writings of Paul is how he prayed for individual Christians and for the church as a whole. And what we're going to see in this closing prayer as our theme for this particular chapter in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 has been about standing strong in your faith. And let me just give you a quick little recap. You see in his greeting in verses 1 and 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That's inseparable. You can't have grace without peace and peace without grace. And it comes from the Father in in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see the third person of the Trinity and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll link that to key verses throughout Scripture. Then in verses 3 and 4, we talked about a resilient faith. Remember about growth and increasing, growing abundantly. Even in the midst of persecution and afflictions, they were enduring. They were steadfast, we are told by Paul, in the faith meaning that they were resilient. They were facing tough times, but they showed a faith that would not quit, but in fact would actually grow and be refined. And then we transition in our last podcast, in podcast 207, the righteous judgment of God. And there we saw God's response to those people who are repaying affliction or who are persecuting or uh, mocking or being intolerant to his people and they will receive their coming judgment. And we're told in verse eight, it's in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. So it's not just the affliction that they put on God's people, but they don't know God and they disobey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they have rejected the, the words of God, the truth of God. And so now as Paul transitions from talking about the judgment of God in verse nine and 10, we now transition into this prayer where he says here in verse 11, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, in you, in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So how are we to live by the power of God? Because that's an active thing. We are, we are to be living, my friends, 
not just in, but by the power of God. And I'm going to, as I said earlier, I'll jump into some key verses that you can write down and encourage you to memorize. Matter of fact, I have that Bible memory app and I was just doing this as I was praying this morning, as I'm recording this now, second Thessalonians one verse 11, that I'm reminded in what God has called me, you know, to do in life as I love my wife and as I raise my children and as I befriend others around me and be a servant and a steward of Jesus Christ and the efforts that we do through Stand Strong Ministries, that I am to be worthy of his calling. But notice it says that God may make you worthy. Isn't that special? And as we are worthy of his calling through what God has made us to do, we are to fulfill every resolve for the good, not for ourselves. And notice he says, in every work of faith by his power. So when we have an action that requires faith in him to do the work, oftentimes it'll be seen as a miracle. It's by the power of God. So when Paul is ending this portion of his letter, he he ends it by opening up with these remarks in prayer. He, he just transitions in prayer. And I think that's significant because if you, again, if you're, if you're living by the power of God, you're living in the power of prayer because we're told in scripture that we are to pray in the spirit and we are to come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. And so Paul's prayer displays this heartfelt love for the people who are going through a lot of trials. And even though that God's coming judgment will, will befall, you know, will fall on his enemies. Nevertheless, Paul prays for them that they will continue to be steadfast, that they would be worthy of his calling, that they will fulfill the calling that God has given them with every resolve for good. And sometimes we don't see the good. Sometimes we're not sure the way that I'm engaging somebody at work or a relationship in the family is, is going south or it's just been dead for quite some time and there's no communication or the abandonment of a loved one from the faith. Or you have somebody who you've been praying for for years upon years and you have seen no good come out of it. No change in their heart. Bitter angry towards God, whether they're an atheist and they, they spew, you know, vile things against the Christian faith, or you have somebody who is abusing drugs and you, and you see no good in it. We are to be reminded, my friends, that, that as we pray that we'd walk worthy of his calling for us and that every day we are to pray that we fulfill with every resolve that which is good, even if we don't see it, and that we work out things of faith through the power of God. So Paul was concerned for the Thessalonians. As we right now have burdens, as we're listening, that we carry before God for our loved ones, even maybe for yourself. And, you know, what Paul's doing here is he's wanting to ensure that the Thessalonians have the necessary means to live and to prosper. So you and I know that we, we need to make sure that we have things in order, that we can survive and thrive. I mean, right now as I'm recording this, 
you know, the devastation of the 7.8, 7.9 earthquake that hit and rocked parts of Turkey and Syria that shifted the tectonic plates. That's how massive it is. There are massive uh, canvases and, you know, chasms that we are seeing as a result of this devastation and over 40,000 people have lost their life. My friends, that is on a magnitude that we have not seen, not just in that region, but in the world. And so as you pray for the men and women who've lost a loved one or people that they're still finding who are, who miraculously have survived in these conditions, which I can't explain. And you're just broken over it. And you want to make sure that they're going to be safe and that they're going to get the nutrients they need to survive. And people are working around the clock. People from all over the world coming in there, digging in, in this, in the, in the gravel, digging into all the rubble. And they're trying to save lives. And where were their last known whereabouts? You know, at that level, the, the immediate concern is their, their well-being and to, and to put them into conditions where they could be physically restored. And all hope can seem to be lost. But we trust in the Lord in the midst of even such heartache and devastation. And so this prayer here for every good thing and work of faith by his power is a genuine sign that Paul cared deeply for their physical and spiritual welfare. So my friends, as we're going to be talking about living by the power of God, you know, we need to make sure that we are providing for the needs of people around us and not just fixating on the spiritual or not fixating so much on the physical. There's a balance. So this phrase here, make you worthy. You know, the first thing that we have to look into here is that Paul prays for the Thessalonians that they would walk worthy of the salvation that they received by faith. And the sad thing is in our world today, so many people say they're a Christian and yet we see no fruit that they are a Christian, that they're a follower of Jesus Christ, that they're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Our chief responsibility and what Paul is conveying here in these two little verses at the end of this chapter is that our chief responsibility is to glorify God and to live a life pleasing to him. That's our chief responsibility. So let me just say this. If you want to live by the power of God, your chief responsibility is to glorify him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.29 that no flesh will boast in the presence of God. But when we boast, we boast in the Lord, verse 31. And as Paul mentioned back in verse 10, the day will come when we will dwell with Jesus in all of his glory for all eternity. The commentary, critical and explanatory on the whole Bible says this, quote, the prominent position of the you in the Greek makes it the emphatic word of the sentence. May you be found among the saints whom God shall count worthy of their calling. It's the same thing he says in Ephesians 4 verse 1. So let me read it again. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So the commentary continues to say, there is no dignity in us independent of God's calling of us. That's based on 2 Timothy 1.9. The holy calling that he's, calling, that he's called us comes from God, not from us. 
The calling here is not merely the first actual call, but the whole of God's electing act, originating in his purpose of grace given us in Christ before the world began and having its consummation in glory. So Paul writes this. Let me read to you 2 Timothy 1.9 because we can cross-reference this here in verse 11. We already saw Ephesians 4.1 that you walk worthy of the gospel. Here he says, make you worthy of his calling. Same thing. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Isn't that amazing? So if you, if you have a Bible and you, and you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 3, this is what Paul also writes in addition to this. I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You want to walk in the power. If you want to live in the power of God, my friends, we need to walk in a manner worthy of him with all humility and with gentleness and with patience. You need to reason and bear with one another to be long-suffering. You need to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit that is in the bond of peace. That is, that is foundational, my friends, to, to living in the power of God. And so I, I hope and I pray that that actually is something that you can grab a hold of immediately and look at it in your life and say, okay, as Paul's praying this, may, that God may make you worthy of his calling, how are you walking worthy of the gospel in your own life? And so worthy is what Christ did for us. And you believe in that. And now in your life, you live to be more like Jesus. That's living in the power of God. Now let's look at the work of faith here. This is the second aspect of what Paul is praying. The second thing, which flows again naturally from the first, walking worthy of the calling, and now here the work of faith, is that Paul prays for their walk with God. So again, when I say living by the power of God, that's your walk with God. When I have communion, when I have fellowship and intimacy with him, there's power. I am, I am tapping into his power. Okay, this is not, by the way, kind of the new apostolic reformation movement. This is not name it, claim it. This is not my faith activates the will of God to do what I want him to do. And that he's compelled to do it. Like many of these false prophets will say, once I claim it with authority, it will happen. No, we who are saved are to live out our salvation fruitfully and catch this joyfully. So the work of faith, all right, as I'm walking with God and I'm becoming more like Jesus, my savior, I'm bearing fruit and there's going to be joy in my life. So yes, that's the irony, if you will, kind of an oxymoron or just doesn't seem to add up, doesn't seem to make sense. And we, the Americanized church version of Christianity, which a lot of it's false and filled with idolatry. This is how we measure the power. 
is by how big the building is or how big the budget is or how many people attend whatever movement, church ministry, or how many books are sold. That's actually how we measure the, quote, power of God is here. When in fact, living by the power of God is going back to Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, where we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. With what? Humility, gentleness. See, that's where the oxymoron, that's where it doesn't make sense. That's where it seems to break down. That's where it seems that we scratch our head and wonder, yeah, yeah, I get that. But just like we can measure the might and power of the the American military, the U.S. military, that's how I want to be able to see myself. Now, there are times when we have seen with the prophets, when the spirit of the Lord, whether it be the prophet in, in the book of Judges, Samson himself, to how King David even responded as a warrior. But that is not for us to culminate in every aspect of every person that's mentioned in scripture. There are times when the power of God, the spirit of the Lord falls upon certain people for a purpose that honors the Lord and fulfills his will in whatever circumstance that is prevailing or taking place with a person, with a group of people that will change the course of history at that given time. So there are times where God humbles Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. And through that, he honors God in the midst of it, coming from his paganism to monotheism and realizing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the true and living God. So you see a change, you see a fruit there, you see joyfulness with that's power. When you see somebody who's bearing fruit, that's work of faith. When you see somebody who's living a life of joy, that's work of faith. That's the power of God. We cannot do this in our own strength. That's the point. So the strength that we have to be joyful in the midst of sorrow, the strength that we can have to resist the temptation, that's from Christ. It is through God's power that faith is brought to fruition. If you go back to verse three of chapter one, Paul linked faith and love and they are to grow together. So if you have a work of faith, there needs to be work of love. And if you look in the next verse, in verse four, he says the perseverance of faith that's connected, why? Or excuse me, connected to the persecution and to the enduring trials, why? Because that's what endurance is. That's what perseverance is. Despite this, you're doing that. Despite the fact that you are being challenged, questioned, ridiculed, blasted, maligned, made to look like a fool, you have remained steadfast in the faith. So Paul linked faith and love. They are to grow together. Paul says that faith has persevered in the midst of persecution and during trials. And what's truly amazing is that when you do look at the Thessalonians, despite the persecution, what were they doing? They were still living out their faith. They were still glorifying God amid the devastating trials that didn't seem to cease, that didn't seem to go away. They didn't look and say, this too shall pass. Yeah, they may have believed that, but they weren't getting any relief, which is why Paul was praying for them. That's the power of God, my friends. You know, Warren Wiersbe said, quote, trials do not make a person. They reveal what a person is made of. 
when our faith is tried, we are revealing our worth. And he bases that off of 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 9. Let me read that again. This is from Warren Wiersbe. Trials do not make a person. They reveal what a person is made of. When our faith is tried, we are revealing our worth. Now let's look at the Greek word that's used here when we're talking about the work. It's the Greek word pleros, and it means to bring to completion, to fulfill. All right. Now we can actually see this also mentioned in Philippians chapter one, verse six, the same meaning where he says, being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about living in the power of God, we are to bring to completion, we are to fulfill what God has set forth. We have faith in him. We know that the future promises that are given by Christ to his church are present motivations to do the work that he has called us to do before he unexpectedly returns. So when we look at verse 12 now, so that, okay, so let's pause. Every time Paul, he always has this in the Greek and we translate so that. So he just laid out, if you walk worthy of the manner, to resolve the good, the work of faith. When you do that, it says, so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified. And that's what I was saying. The chief purpose of us is to glorify God. So when I'm living the power of God, I'm glorifying him. When I'm bearing fruit, when you are bearing fruit and the joy of the Lord is your strength, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified in you. And it says, in you, in him. That's the communion. And that's where I think is a huge disconnect when it comes to Christians today. They're not living in the power of God because they're not glorifying him and God in them. And notice all of this is according to the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you were to look at the third thing now here that Paul mentions, the first was being worthy, make you worthy. So be worthy of the salvation that you've received, to walk in it, to glorify him. The second thing we saw, the work of faith, is that it, which naturally again flows, as I said, from the first, is that you walk in the power of God and you do the things that he's called you to do because your faith and trust is in him. You bring to completion, you fulfill the things that he has put in front of you, Philippians 1, 6. And so the third thing that he prays here is that Christ be glorified in the Thessalonians so that they could be a strong witness in the world. So here's the thing. Let's put this in perspective of our, of our lives as we pray this passage in our own lives to live out the power of God. You know, we can be praying, and, and this is where we oftentimes just fixate on, is the here and now. You know, Lord, help me with this conflict in my family. Lord, help me to work this deal out in my job. Lord, you know, help my son who is struggling in college and so on and so forth. And, and again, we need to be praying for these things every day, pray without ceasing. But when we take this passage in verse 12, according to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, Paul's not just saying that you will resist the temptation in your own lives, that, that you are steadfast in the midst of the trials that you're faced with. But I'm praying that God be glorified, the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you 
so that all the world that you could be a strong witness beyond your own four walls, beyond your own personal circumstances. And that is a prayer that we need to be praying for ourselves and for others, that God's power, that his majesty is manifested in his children. It's manifested in his church. This phrase may be glorified. Paul uses this in the present tense. So when you look at the Greek, when it says, let me read it, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. That's in the present tense. That is Christ is being glorified presently and will be glorified in the future tense in his saints. You know, when you look at that phrase a little bit further in scripture, may be glorified, it's an allusion to Isaiah 66 verse five. Now, remember, if you listen to podcast 207, the righteous judgment of God, when we're looking at verses five through 10, you will know that Paul builds a case, if you will, all through the Old Testament. And he continues even here in this prayer. He's, he's alluding to uh, the Old Testament where Isaiah 66 verse five says, hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word, your brothers who hate you and cast you out for my namesake have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. And then it says, but it is they who shall be put to shame, end quote. So let the Lord be glorified. You know, what a, what a great way to start the day. To walk and live in the power of God is to say, Lord, be glorified in this vessel today. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this, quote, we have not experienced what perfection is. And therefore we can hardly conceive it. Our thoughts themselves are too sinful for us to get a full idea of what absolute perfection must be. But we shall have no sin left in us. And we shall have no remaining pros, uh, propensity to sin. There shall be no bias in the will toward that which is evil, but it shall be fixed forever upon that which is good. So the way that Paul closes his prayer, he hearkens back to what he said, if you go back to verses eight and nine, where he said, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So Jesus Christ will be glorified. He is and he will be. He will be glorified in judging sinners who rejected him. He'll be glorified in his saints who are living out his divine will on earth. Isn't that amazing? See, that's why God is God and we're not. One of and infinite reasons. Jesus Christ is glorified when sinners are judged. Jesus is glorified when sinners who have been redeemed are living out his will and proclaiming his truth into the world. And this, this phrase, the name of the Lord, let me just say this, you guys. In ancient times, names carried more than just a title or a label. So in this culture right now that Paul's writing to, when he's saying here in scripture that, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you in him according to the grace of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. What was he doing here? Well, again, if, if a name represented who or what a person was, you know, Paul, Paul's lifting up the holiness, the power, the magnificent power, the, the infinite magnitude of Christ 
And as he exalts the name of our Lord, he exalts it in anticipation of the great joy that you and I will experience in the future reign of Jesus. And that, my friends, let me just say this. When you're also living in the power of God, you're living in the name of the Lord. As you pray in Jesus, as you pray, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As you pray uh, specific prayers, maybe feel a little reluctant, but you have the armor of God, you're praying boldly, you're praying fervently, you're praying consistently, you're praying persistently, you're praying according to the scriptures. And you know that someday Christ will come and he will rule and reign. And you anticipate that day. And when you cast out demons, when you feel the presence of the evil one, your authority is not in yourself. Remember, living the power of God in your life is not trusting in your own sense. It's not trusting in your own strength. It's not trusting in the flesh. You are trusting in the authority and power and might of the person who took your sins on the cross, died to them, and rose again. And on the third day, you know, when he rose, he, he showed himself to the disciples who were in despair. And for 40 days before he ascended to heaven, he empowered them. We see that in Acts 1 verse 8. And then he closes here with the grace of our Lord and Savior and the grace of our God. You know, very rarely uh, does Paul mention the grace of Christ without including the Father. And this is important, my friends, because this is always him showing the gift of salvation comes from the triune Godhead. So as I close, I, I told you earlier that I'm going to give you a couple verses that you can you could jot down, and I encourage you to memorize them. The first one I want to give you as we close, and just leaving you with some verses about the power of God and living it out, is found in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So if, if you want to live a life of life, uh, you want to live a life of godliness, you need his divine power. And it says, and through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So that comes from the glory of God, the power of God. We know according to Hebrews 1, 3, that Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And it's that he upholds the universe by the power, by the word of his power. Okay. Another passage of scripture is in 2 Corinthians 13, 4. It says, for he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Another one, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. Remember, it says it is the power of God. And the last verse that I want to share with you uh, comes from Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So my friends, as I close, as Colossians 1, 11 says, that you be strengthened with all power according to Jesus's glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. 
Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at info at standstrongministries.org. You can also go to standstrongministries.org and we have a bunch of material there. We, we have our podcasts, not just Stand Strong, the word that you're listening to right now, but another podcast, Challenging Conversations. All the books that I've written, we have two that are coming out this year as this is being recorded in 2023. Uh, Parenting Gen Z and Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over His Church. So I can't wait for those resources to be available. We also have videos uh, categorized if you want to learn more about uh, CRT or Christian apologetics or false teachers. We have videos at standstrongministries.org for you to view. And we encourage you guys, as always, leave us a review. Tell people what this podcast is doing to help you stand strong in your faith and take advantage of all the resources that we have available at standstrongministries.org. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. 